Welcome to Game Mechanics, a show about tabletop role-playing games from lots of different perspectives. I'm Logan Jenkins. Today, I'm talking to Bianca Zelda. Bianca is one of the members of the Broadswords, an all-female and non-binary actual play podcast. Bianca also does a lot of guest spots on a plethora of other podcasts. I wanted to talk to them about the differences in playing games for yourself and games for public consumption, i.e. for podcasts. They let me know that the key difference is baby goats. If you want to find out what the heck that means, let's get to it. Hello, Bianca. Welcome to the show. Listeners, this is Bianca Zelda. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, thank you for being here. Yeah. You are basically famous, uh, certainly <laughs> internet famous. Uh, you play Mepri on the Broadswords. You have a million other podcast credits. Excellent. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to talk about your experience being a player in a more public form than other people's like homebrew games or whatever, but, um, or well, homegrown games. I mean, I think your game actually is homebrew. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, not necessarily, but well, I mean, so it's a unique story specific to y'all, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The setting we use, uh, exists in the main setting. <laughs> say that with a question mark at the end. Right. Yeah. Everything's sort of up for grabs in that. In, <laughs> D&D, right? But okay, uh, <laughs> all that aside, I see, I promised that I would be awkward. <laughs> We're good at this. Uh. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just going to go straight into some questions. What is your favorite mechanic in any game? Okay, it is absolutely the complications, mixed successes, and flaws. Uh, basically, hey, you failed. Here's the consequence. How do you deal with that? Um, it's my all-time favorite thing to either experience, to dole out, to have to come up with kind of creative complications. It's just, it's applicable to nearly every game. <laughs> yeah, that's, so Travis, who I record VRE with, they were talking about RPGs are improv. RPGs yeah. are improv, but yes. improv is always a yes and, but RPGs are the one place for improv where it's like, no, Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no, no. You didn't get to do that, actually. Now, well, how do you respond now that you can't do it? <laughs> right. Now try to explore that and handle it. What the heck do you do? I think that's the most interesting thing. Failure is is the thing that creates the, the cool stuff. It's my favorite. Um, and like <laughs> so many different games have creative ways to address this. You know, fate, um, I think, has you can use fate points to kind of save yourself, but that can also be used against you uh, if the D or the GM wants to take a complication against you. Mm-hmm. Uh, D&D, you have like your fa- your flaws, your fails, depending on what you roll. And then like the, the DM will dictate that result. What other games can you think of that have this like so blatantly? Uh, well, so the the Fantasy Flight Star Wars game has like a whole like gradient of success and failure. So you can succeed. You can have a triumph, which is like a, great success but then uh you can also have uh little complications uh, and also great failure okay. <laughs> so <That's> intense <laughs> so you could have a in, in that particular system this i mean you might be way into this because you could have something where you fully succeeded like like critical success but also the worst thing in the world could happen at the same time <laughs> oh my goodness okay i think i would love that yeah, uh, it's it's a big challenge for the GM in that in that case because they have to be ready to have very complex 
responses when the <laughs> dice tell you like, okay, something good happened, but also something bad happened. <laughs> yeah, that would definitely keep me on my toes. Dang. <laughs> Uh, I often play in simpler games, uh, I guess, the handle, like even PBTA is a great example of like, if you roll between a seven or nine, it's a mixed success. Yeah. Uh, and that way you're forced to be like, okay, well, you perhaps you were able to escape the haunted house. However, your shoelaces trip you and you uh, <laughs> land right in front of the steps and you're still within reach of the doorway. Oh, no. Man, that was so scary. You really transported me to this spooky place. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Just like that. Dang, easy peasy. <laughs> I really like PBTA games that go into what that mixed success looks like. Because sometimes it's just you don't quite get what you want. And then like the full success explains more fully what it is. But I really like it when it's like, for example, in Root, which we're playing on VRE, if you try to convince an NPC or uh, persuade an NPC, if you get a seven to nine, they aren't sure. And the GM will tell you what you need to do to sway them. So it's not mm. just that you convince them. They, you know, there's got to be something in it for them as well. There's a price to pay. Yeah. <laughs> so I like when it's like a little, there's a little guidance. I think that can be really helpful. Absolutely. Yeah. Like you said, like that can definitely put a lot of stress on your creative abilities. So if you have something to guide you, it's helpful. Yeah. The Fantasy Flight Star Wars system, like I was saying, is very like the GM has to be ready at a moment's notice. And there's not a ton of guidance in that book for like, what does it mean if you have two complications, but one great success? What does all that add up to? It's just like, I don't know. That's <laughs> intense. Stress or something. Yeah. So as far as like first games to play, maybe pick something a little bit more uh, <laughs> simple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or something. I mean, D&D isn't exactly simple, but it's like they've done a good job at every situation is handled, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there is some like there, the outcome is almost always written for you. Mm -hmm. Which uh, can be really comforting. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do too. And it also leaves room for interpretation on a lot of like the spells and stuff uh that's what i mostly enjoy yeah i think that's why it's a good gateway game mm -hmm. it's why it would still thrive today too because so many people can play something that exists the same but in a variety of ways yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so that sort of leads into what's your favorite game and why oh no um okay this is one of those hard questions favorites are always a big thing um hmm I recently played a game called Dialect. Ooh. It's essentially the, you're playing the end of a language. And as you play the game, like narratively, you start to create a language with the people that you're playing with. And I found that as we were playing, we started to use these words that we made just like within the kind of like meta conversation. Uh, and wow. I really, really enjoyed it. And then, you know, as the story progresses, the language and you may die. Uh, it's like, dang, this is a horrible, empty feeling. But like, I I loved that. Wow, that's uh, really neat. I would recommend. I don't own it. Uh, I have to find. I have when I, next time I go to the states is when I'll have to go look for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this looks really neat. So it's that seems really tough to just invent a language on the spot. Is it? I mean, does like we're talking about with guidance? Does it do a good job at guiding you how to do that? We did struggle with it a little bit in the beginning um, because we kind of read it the wrong way. And then the first thing you do isn't to make up the word. The first thing you do is make up 
your definition of mm. the word. Oh. And when you're able to define it, creating a word for it becomes a little bit easier. Um, but like the main part, like the whole focus is not just to create the word, uh, which I really enjoyed that it wasn't the main focus because immediately I'm like, well, we got to we have to merge two words together to make the language. And like <laughs> our poor DM, they kept saying like, no, no, that's not, that's not what we're doing. Let's, let's come <laughs> up with a meaning, like let's backtrack. But once I got into it, it was absolutely wonderful. And I like games that really make you feel. And well, I can't say I have a favorite game. That one's my my current interest. I was, I was very recently talking to someone or uh, to Jess from D20 Dames about mm -hmm. how like favorite, like asking about your favorite whatever is sort of an unfair question <laughs> almost it? always because it's yeah, like everybody's favorite anything is changing moment to moment really mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's the quickest way to obliterate all knowledge of the topic in someone's head is to ask them what their favorite thing is <laughs> <laughs> right though <laughs> too much pressure yeah <laughs> <laughs> and honestly like after i answered i'm like that's not my favorite why did i say it <laughs> <laughs> i'll be showering tonight like gosh darn that was what i meant i i, I should have said something else <laughs> Well, either way, dialect looks like a really like a a different like a very different sort of game. Mm -hmm. Very the interesting. Experience was different. I think that's what I enjoyed. That's cool. What's a game mechanic that led you to a great idea? What is a game mechanic that led me to a great idea? That one's difficult. Um, I think <laughs> I was recently streaming, and by recently, I mean like a couple months ago, uh, a game of Monster on uh, Monster of the Week. I love that game. Uh, right? It's a lot of fun. I love like the spookiness and like it basically always devolves into a Scooby-Doo mystery for me. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's what makes it kind of wonderful. And the, okay, so the idea of the mixed success, one of my players had rolled that, but the way the scene was uh, happening is I was giving my player agency to kind of be bigger than themselves. They They were going through something akin to like the avatar state. Oh, wow. It was, yeah, this was like our, our finale or something. I think it was huh. our finale. And so, like, they had the agency to inflict damage on their allies. And, like, I don't, this isn't normally something I would allow, but, like, given the mixed success of the role, and we'd previously discussed, like, this as a possibility, so, like, all the players were okay with it. And I thought maybe that they were going to be like, oh, and, you know, I, they scraped their knee. Um, her hair is ruffled. <laughs> uh, nope, my player took, uh, took away a player's eye. Uh, he's like, well, yep, there goes your vanity, so you are now blind in one eye. I think, like, they just scooped the eye out. Um, oh. oh my goodness. ripped off somebody else's arm. Whoa. Um, it got so gruesome and I was like, dang, I would, I would never, <laughs> I would never, <laughs> but you, because I, like, I made this work in a different way. You really turned this up. Wow. Uh, and I, I love that. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's hardcore. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> the check-in after was fun. <laughs> yeah, making sure everybody's cool. <laughs> yeah. Like, how are you feeling? <laughs> uh, and they were all so good. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. Mm -hmm. That's that's the important thing. It's like it didn't ruin everybody else's fun. Oh, no, not at all. The next session, um, we, they all dressed up for like the finale part two. And the player that had lost his eye, he blacked out his eye with makeup to make him look like he had like a black hole there. I thought that was so wonderful and supportive. 
<laughs> That's really amazing. Oh. Yeah. It's nice to play games with good people. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, so the Broadswords focuses on D&D. Uh, what are your favorite parts of D&D? Mm, collaborative storytelling. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, the classics. Yeah. Uh, just the way the game plays, it really allows for a space to not only kind of solve the, the mysteries or the puzzles around you, but also interact in the world uh, with your be it your weapons, your magic, and then, you know, tell a story with your characters around you. And I think that's pretty heckin' fun. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. <laughs> um, and what the follow-up, what are some weaknesses of D&D? Oh, you know, the classic in-game racism that exists with the... Yeah. <laughs> with the <laughs> systems and the old school books um i've been pretty lucky that most of the games that i've played um that's just something that we've chosen to omit yeah um but early I, i've i've been playing D D for two two years and a month now oh wow like yeah, yeah, it's, been, <laughs> it's been some time <laughs> which isn't to say that among some of my first experiences uh was definitely playing with folk who adhered to the uh old-fashioned views mm. on D&D and I was just like what the f- this is awful mm, uh yeah. you know and I learned how to not participate in the in, in some things but like yeah that's a weakness that is yeah, for that's... sure a weakness yeah it's a huge one too. I, uh, I hope that that's somehow dealt with in in six E or or you know they could honestly release a new five E that's just like hey we uh, cut this out a hundred percent. Yeah, I mean it would have to be really fleshed out and they would have to examine like a lot of the creatures and figure out like well how do we handle all of these now where do they exist in the world like they we have to create a little bit more depth for them if they're not just like angry goblins. Yeah. They have to they have to have more than just that. Yeah. Do, do you think like I mean, that's that's really, you know, like considering that these that there are beings in the, in that world that like clearly have intelligence and just are lower beings just made to be murdered. Do you think mm-hmm. that's like a cornerstone of D&D or is it uh, like it is. But it doesn't mean we can't change it. Yeah, we like, like you said, the best part is the collaborative storytelling. Mm-hmm. There don't there don't need to be like things that are just there to kill. Just like, evil for the sake of being evil. Yeah, yeah. Give them give them some depth. Give them some reality. Yeah, I think that's something at least that D and D gives you the freedom to put that in there, like inject a little bit of depth that isn't otherwise there, and at least there's that. Yes, if you're playing with the right uh, DM that is, you know, respectful and understanding of that, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Doesn't always happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's and that's a big thing of cultivating the group that you can really trust uh, won't take things to a bad place. Mm-hmm. Especially when <sighs> people don't explicitly like consider that. It's just yeah. like uh, orcs equal bad. Despite the fact that, you know, playable characters are half orcs, but right. then not taking the time to maybe, I don't want, I don't even want to use the word examine, but just like consider. Yeah. I consider is if, if there were, if more time was spent considering more things, I suppose that would 
gosh, what a general thing to say. I, <laughs> I know what you mean. If people just took the time to like think about their surroundings or the world that they're participating in, a lot more could be handled and resolved happily. But um, yeah. ignorance is bliss. Oof. Yeah. Gross. <laughs> bliss, bliss just for just for the one ignorant person, I suppose. Yeah. A whole bunch of Suffering negative bad for stuff for everyone else. Oh no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Shifting out of there. Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is a big one and probably an unfair question too, like like the favorites question, but what do you think the secret to being a good player is? It's such a big question. I'm sorry. Okay, I have like a campy answer for this because it is such an overarching question. And like my answer is just like, be kind to others, encourage them. Like to your fellow players, uh, especially when they're trying to like do something cool, maybe encourage them as your player in the scene. Don't just be like, well, spotlight's on you. Good luck. (laughs) (laughs) Unless that's what they want. Who knows? If they're like a loner. Of course, that's Mm -hmm. like, that means they're not, doing the same thing but you're saying lift up your other players that's the and i that's that sounds really great that's like who doesn't want to have support from all your teammates right totally i speak from experience once again where there's those games where it just feels like sometimes it's only you and the dm playing a completely different game and the players are off doing one-on-one things murdering or stealing and it's just like well cool we uh contracted (laughs) to solve a mystery but uh it was good hanging out (laughs) that's uh, i i had a conversation with a friend about players that you know one of the tropes that folks get into is like playing a cool loner like a loner badass character that works alone and it's that's not collaborative and you know like like a loner badass has no place in the D &D. that's that's probably a novel or something, right? Exactly. Go write your own fanfic. When you're ready to play with us. We will join. <laughs> so I, I think that was expertly answered. Actually, that's for that. That was a very <laughs> a huge question, and you're just like this effortlessly. <laughs> Simple answer. Yeah. Have you or the broadswords collectively run into a problem mechanic that you had to work around? I think we we extensively talked about this, but yeah, if, is there something else you want to talk about in, in that sort of realm or kind a... of combat? <laughs> <laughs> combat takes so long. Yeah, I can't even. So you play with the explicit knowledge of like this is for consumption right Mm -hmm. like this is we need to be entertaining for the whole time so combat can really drag in that regard so what what do you all do to uh to mitigate that uh lower the hp um (laughs) pretty much (laughs) like it becomes more of like a narrative fight than it does just for inflicting damage but like victoria the dm she's still really good at adhering to what the supposed cr level is um, so we still have to actually do damage. And thankfully one of our characters does, uh, Yulari's our wizard, whereas nobody else, we don't like my, <laughs> my barbarian, uh, <laughs> and she don't do anything. Uh, so that also makes combat difficult. It's just like in any D and D game I play, I find combat takes so hecking long. Like if I run an IRL game from home mm-hmm. and I have a combat session played, that's all we do for four hours. And <laughs> 
it hurts my heart. So like, I don't know if I can call it a weak mechanic. I just think it's something I personally struggle with. I, I you know, the more the more I play again, like play for consumption, play games that are focused on narrative, the more interested I am in narrative in like my just my regular home games as well. Mm-hmm. So when we get into those long combats, the whole time I'm just thinking like, yeah, but what happens next? Yes. <laughs> I'm planning my next one liner, but I have to wait until it's my turn. Like, <laughs> rough. I, I carried that into like the last game that I DM'd that there was a giant boss fight, but I made it, I tailored it just to be like story beats. Cause I think that, I just think that ends up being more interesting for everyone. Mm-hmm. No, it does. It's yeah. Especially <laughs> as a listener, it's just so much more easy to consume. Yeah, that's that's something like are are there other things that you uh, consider as far as like I'm doing this for an audience is what's what's the difference between you playing on the broadswords and you playing just in a home game? Even though I goof off a lot on the broadswords, I still <laughs> have to do the thing. Uh, there is always a story that we're telling, so I have to continue and pushing, I have to continue pushing forward. Uh, and that's something like the three of us as players, we have to continue encouraging ourselves because sometimes we do just want to like have an episode where we feed our baby goat. Um, (laughs) oh, right. However, as far as story, what does that help? Nothing. Um, so then somebody has to be like, how about we go feed the baby goat on that ship that will take us over there where we can save the person? Uh, a lot of that is necessary. <laughs> well, yeah, that's so do you find yourself like given the freedom in your home game to pet the baby goats? Do you pet more baby goats? Oh, I do. So <laughs> many baby goats. Just like <laughs> an entire field of kids hopping around. <laughs> Pick one up, they like ricochet off you. Yes. Uh, okay. What's your proudest moment as a player? <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> all of my moments are my proudest moments. That's marvelous. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for agreeing to my cheese. <laughs> it's so dirty. Oh. <laughs> I, I, you know, I think it shows that I'm not an expert at interviewing folks because I have so many of these unfair questions or I don't know. I I'm learning. <laughs> no, and that's fair. I'm, I'm happy to be the person to learn with you. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> if you could fix anything in a game, fix in quotation marks there, what would it be? Mm, well, since we've come this far, I feel like the answer is probably I would include more baby goats. <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> it just seems necessary <laughs> regardless of what's going on you need at least five to ten mm-hmm. uh, in or around you and your party yeah i don't think i don't think adding a baby goat could ever be seen as a negative like nope yeah. they will eat the grass um they will hop around yeah um if you do yoga they will stand on your back <laughs> um, I don't know what else they do. <laughs> They're cute. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I think you've summarized pretty good what a baby goat does. Yep, top three things. Cool. <laughs> um, is there anything else you want to talk about? I don't think so. I think this was actually really lovely. Uh, <laughs> and it was mostly just like us laughing, and I really, really appreciate this. This was nice, low-key, comfortable uh, and you were straight up just as dorky as me, and that means everything. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm happy to have 
been a dork with you. Yes. <laughs> oh, uh, don't, don't forget to plug all your stuff. Okay, thank you. I would have forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so once again, my name is Bianca Zelda. I am a member of the Broadswords, uh, an all-women, non-binary uh, D&D podcast. I am also a member of another podcast called Facades of Gods, a fate core podcast uh, that has a bit of a noir. noir? Ooh, that's a hard word to <laughs> say sometimes. <laughs> it has a bit of a noir genre with crime and demons. Uh, what the heck else do I do? No, I feel like that's pretty much it. I stream sometimes. Uh, if you listen to literally any other podcast, I might have guessed it. Who knows? <laughs> There's a lot. There's a lot on the yeah. list that you've guessed it on. <laughs> <laughs> One day I need to compile that list because I've mostly been... It's, it's so much fun. I love just joining in to somebody else's game and wrecking polite havoc. You know, <laughs> giving the information required and then leaving. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, I also had a great time talking. <laughs> Thank you. This was really good. Yay! Thanks again to Bianca Zelda. You can follow them on the Broadswords or at Bianca Zelda on Twitter. They also post pictures of baby goats from time to time. Your homework this week is to follow whatever baby goat side quest your group gets into. Tweet me the story at Logan Jenkins. If you want to hear more from me, check out Very Random Encounters, a podcast where some friends and I play TTRPGs and randomize as much as is possible. Game Mechanics is part of the Orange Groves. Check out theorangegroves.com to support this and other great shows on the network. And until your next checkup, that'll be 2750. Bye!